Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, this is We are live at the RNC with attorney, uh, Professor of the Constitutional Law, Professor Gloria Brown Marshall. She um, has written several books. We can learn more about her books on her website. Uh, Gloria, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Okay. Hello. Um, hi. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Start off the show for us. Well, I'm in Tampa, Florida for the Republican National Convention, and it's the second day of the convention. The Monday initial first day, um, the convention technically began, but because of Hurricane Isaac, things were postponed until Tuesday where business officially started and started in earnest along with a lot of controversy. Okay. Uh, tell us about the controversy, if you can, well, a little bit in depth. We have a few things that happen. Overall, we went from being a very kind of boring convention. The Republicans had scripted it to the point where everyone knew exactly what they were going to say. All the speeches were already prepared ahead of time. They even have a rehearsal room right before the person goes out to speak before the convention attendees. They rehearse in a little room and have a little audience. I mean, everything was scripted. There were a few things that were unscripted. One, as I mentioned last night, was the Ron Paul delegates. That was a controversy. The fact that Ron Paul actually received well over 100 votes that were not counted based on a quick rule change that would not allow other delegates to be counted. Also, we had um, a few speeches that were very controversial. One was from Arturo Davis, who was a former Democrat who switched over and became a Republican. And he was speaking against Barack Obama as president. And this Arthur Davis, who was from Alabama, now lives in Virginia, and is speaking probably a political office there as a Republican, was one of the people nominating at the convention in Denver, nominating uh, Barack Obama when he was running for president. He gave one of those nominating speeches at the convention for the Democrats during that time period. So when all of these black people... Uh, One second, uh, he was African, uh, this gentleman is African-American, correct? Yes, uh, Arturo Davis is African-American, and he was speaking in many terms um, negatively about the, the president. Um, we also had um, other black members speaking negatively about the president. Um, Mia Love, for example, she's mayor of Sarasota Springs, 
And she, of course, was speaking of her her uh, background as someone who arrived in this country and has worked hard. All of these people who are saying these things, of course, were applauded greatly by the Republicans. And at the same time, we have a horribly racist, ignorant incident that takes place at the same convention the very same day. We have these black people saying how great it is to be a Republican. And that incident involves racist acts against a black female camera person working for CNN. Okay. Um, tell us, what, what was this act? Um, it's made the news, but not as much as I think, where we had two white Republicans who were, as far as I can see, delegates within the convention throwing peanuts because, of course, we know the GOP is an elephant, is their symbol, so they have a lot of shell peanuts, peanuts in the shell, out of the shell here. They're throwing peanuts at this black female camera person, and they're um, chanting, this is how we feed the animals. Okay. Now, as you stated earlier to me on the phone, that this is not like people at a ballpark, just anybody could get in. Tell us the significance of these people and why they need to be um, identified. Well, CNN released a statement that this incident did, in fact, happen, and that the attendees, they were referred to as attendees, their names were not given, nor was the camera woman's name given, but these attendees were then taken out by the police, and they were taken out of the arena. But this arena is so difficult to get into. It takes at least 20 minutes, to it's not a half an hour, to get through all the security. You have security coming through the car. You have at least three security checkpoints just to bring your car in. I, have, I drove in. So to get into the parking garage, you have to go through three lines of security. Then you have to go through an assigned place for you to park, designated for different cars to park. I had to go to that. Then you go through metal detectors. You go through more security. And before you can enter the time form, uh, you have to be able to, uh, to show identification, have a badge at all times displayed indicating that you're allowed to get in. So these are not regular people walking off the street. That's my point. If they're in there designated as attendees, then they were probably delegates. And no one's talking about the fact that if they were indeed delegates, because this is within the convention, on the convention floor, then who were they? What state do they represent? What were their names? We need to know who these people are. And my major concern is CNN refuses to give any information, and their statement ends with there would be nothing else said about this incident. How dare a news source, and I'm, and I'm not trying to be in any way um, hypocritical about this. I've been on CNN, so it's not as though I don't know, you know, that, that news services are available. You know, CNN is a news service. If this happened on Fox, they would be all over it because this is happening with CNN. My concern is when good people do nothing, then racist acts like this can continue to fester and go on. There needs to be more investigated about this, and these two people need to be shamed out of, you know, their behavior, and other people need to have this behavior held up as an example of why this country is having issues of inequality in the first place that undermines everything that these other people have come up to say, from Tim Scott 
to um, who talked about from South Carolina telling Obama to hit the road jack, to Mia Love saying, you know, she's come to this country from the Caribbean islands and it's a wonderful country and there's no inequality. And then at the very end, Torture um, Davis speaking of why he switched from the Democratic to Republican Party because the party that he's talking about is not the same party Barack Obama talks about because Barack Obama's talking about a country of inequality and he doesn't see any of that. When in the very midst before their eyes, this is happening. This, is, to me, is a core issue and the reason why we have not addressed racism because we'd rather have amnesia and pretend like these things are not happening even though they're right in front of our faces. Right, and do you think that uh, Boner set the tone with his um, opening remarks? Well, I think that the Republicans have been for very long now throughout this campaign, even while the campaign was taking place, um, not just incivility. I think that's too, you know, these words, incivility, you know, that's if you drop your napkin or you belch and you don't say excuse me. I'm not talking about incivility. I'm not talking about insensitivity. These are the warm and fuzzy words. I'm talking about blatant ignorance, blatant Mm -hmm. prejudice. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about the viciousness of people who are looking to attack someone, and they believe that they are able to get away with making attacks based on color, attacks based on national origin, attacks based on race, and they're doing this with, with impunity. In the 21st century, they are an embarrassment to the very Constitution that they claim to love and adore. They are an embarrassment to the God they claim to revere because they're going to the heart of what we should not be doing, which is tearing apart other people based on the God-given gift they've been given of the pigment of their skin. And And when these people do this, this goes against what this country is of, that is a nation of immigrants is all about. So on the one hand, they want to talk about how welcoming this country is and how anybody can work hard, but if they don't talk about the fact that jealousy about the economic success of other people like African Americans and fear about the progress of people like Latinos and concern about the intellectual abilities of the, of the Chinese and others, these things undermine the growth of people of color in this country and has done so for hundreds of years. So as long as they can be on the top and denigrate other people of color, then they're fine. But as soon as you start to turn the mirror and say, if this is what you believe in, if you believe in free market values and if you work hard you should have the, the profits from the work that you put in and invested in, then fine, then let it be across the board. Don't try to pull the carpet out from under other people based on jealousy, based on a sense of inferiority, or based on a false sense of superiority, that if this person is, is progressing in some way, it must be a challenge to what they view America and what they view America mm. is. And if they view America is only a white country, that was created, built, rebuilt it, in which their theme, rebuilt it, negates all the work that people of African descent have, have, have invested in this country, all the work that people of African descent have had um, um, squeezed out of them through racist laws. They negate all of that when they say rebuilt it, and then in the 21st century, they turn around and allow a racist event like this to take place and parade people of color before the American public as though everything is fine. I mean, to me it goes to the core, not just of 
what they claim they believe as Americans under the Constitution, but also to the core what they claim they believe as Christians, because this is not Christian behavior. Okay. Um, what on their platform do you think uh, really speaks to everything you just said? How, what on their agenda do you think summarizes what you just said? Just give us one idea that they're fighting for that they say they will do on the first day if they're elected as president. Um, what, what, do, what do you mean? You mean based on the platform? Yeah. You give some examples of where what direction you're going with that question. Yeah. I, I just want to know, you know, for instance, they, they're talking about women's rights, they, you know. Um, they're talking about cutting back the health care uh, reform. You know, different things. Is there anything on their platform that's blatantly racist that will connect and tie directly to um, this black woman having peanuts thrown at her? I mean, if you have an example, let let me know. Where are you going with this? Oh, no, I'm just th- thinking there's a um, a list of things that, that they talk about doing, which is my main one is the health care reform. Um, they, they're fighting against that. And now the latest one is the remarks they made, as, when I say they, the Republicans, as far as the um, women's rights and, and abortion rights and things of that nature. Um, so I was just thinking if we can give a list of things on their platform that's very unpopular with, with um, the Democrats and African Americans, period. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, yeah, they, they have a number of... Uh, Part of part of my perspective on this Republican National Convention, and, and and next week I will be in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, God willing, for the Democratic mm-hmm. National Convention. Part of the problem that I see is the mixture of the acrimony around different political viewpoints, where the economy should go. Mm-hmm. We're always going to have people who say the economy should be uh, more business-oriented or the federal government should do more about social welfare and take care of the least of us within our society because no one knows when they're going to end up in a very vulnerable position health-wise, financially, et cetera. So you can have those two competing viewpoints. Should it be um, from the grassroots up or should it be from the business down? That's one thing. What I see mixed mm-hmm. in here is like a personal outrage. How dare you even attempt to use the resources of this country beyond what the other party believes should be done with those resources. It is almost such a level of personal contempt. You can feel the rage in the voices. You can feel the anger in the rhetoric. It's not about just the politics and just the political standpoint, but when they talk about um, that the president doesn't believe in America anymore, I mean, where does this come from? If you don't believe in my agenda for the economy, then you don't believe in the whole country? I mean, they, right. they, it, 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 this started back in a 2007-2008 um, campaign, and it's moved forward since then. This idea that he's un-American in some way, that Barack Obama's un-American, that's why the Bertha movement takes hold, because they don't want to believe that he can be American. And this is what is scary about people of color, and in particular African Americans. It was with the presidency and the ascent of Barack Obama that his ascent to the presidency made African Americans feel more part of this country. 
the attacks on him as un-American, as being out of touch with what America wants, meaning that as a black man he couldn't possibly understand what white America needs and wants. Those things then act as a wedge and continue to alienate um, people of color, and in particular African Americans. 13% of the population of, 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 of think of the percentage, of course, that of the voting age and then, of course, registered, can't put a president in office, but they, that number can change the outcome of an election. And I think the rhetoric, the high tone, low blows of the Republican Party, the narrow-mindedness of its platform, as you pointed out, is something that African-Americans and other Democrats need to take into account when they go into the voting booth and prepare for that because there have been many things that have been put in place with, vote, with um, voting suppression at, at the core of it to limit the number of people who can vote by photo ID, et cetera, that is, it needs to be worked on now in preparation for November. Okay. Well, the comment I was um, referring to earlier is uh, Representative John Boner, um, so let's say right now some guy walks into our bar full of guys looking for work, having a tough go of it, and the guy said, well, the private sector is doing fine. Well, you know what we would do? That's right. We would throw him out. And he's referring to the president. And I think, you know, that as you said, that this, this all began in the last campaign, 2008, and it's moved forward. It's gotten worse. We've lost a senator due to violence because of this type of um, uh, uh, hate, you know, um, that these leaders, these politicians are, um, are, are stating in crowds. And I think when you have that type of um, power to, to incite people, and you shouldn't be surprised that someone would eventually throw peanuts at a black camera woman because you just made an inference of throwing the president out of office like well, you would throw somebody out of a bar. Well, that's why I go back to Joe Wilson and the um, President's State of the Union address, that's to, that was beyond incivility. Mm-hmm. We have we crossed the line as a country years ago. The same mm-hmm. type of hatefulness, the same type of ignorance, the, the racial prejudice that the regular person on the street has had to deal with all their lives has just followed the President into the White House. That's yes. what we're looking at. These are the same things. I've heard things on the street, and I'm quite sure you and other African-Americans have too. They've taken the street, and they've now taken it into Congress, and they followed the, the president, African-American president, into the White House with the same slanderous, ignorant, racial prejudice that the regular black person has to deal with on the job, on the street, in the, um, public accommodations, wherever it may be. It's the same stuff. You know, they these yeah. people want want to act as though they're on some kind of higher social level, but they're just as ignorant as the most base among them when it comes to race when they act in this manner. And I'm not saying everyone within the Republican Party, I'm not saying everyone is fine in the Democratic Party. I'm not saying everybody human is fine or even everybody African-American is fine. I'm saying that we need as as any group to isolate and reprimand in the strongest way, the people we know within our group who are behaving in reprehensible ways. And when the when the Democrats do it, we should chastise them. And when Republicans do it and they see it and they fail to chastise their own, 
then that is signal that signal you're talking about that all all um hands are are on to in the boxing gloves all you know holds all bars the whole nothing is there for anyone to do except go for the jugular have a war of words and if it leads to actual physical violence we don't care as long as at the end of the day we get the white house that's so well said i mean i mean he said it all um, and like i can't believe how you said it that they follow this type of um street racism things that we see on the street follow the president right into the office into the into the congress the halls of congress and we're seeing it in, in now in the um convention and i don't think that we saw we we are seeing the worst yet what say you you're there i Oh, I think mm-hmm. it, I think it, the fact that you would have someone in a place in which they travel from different parts of the country, dressed up, mm-hmm. took a shower, <laughs> put on their good clothes, to represent their state in this arena, and to act in this base way, I feel sorry for any people of color um, who who live next to them whoever these two attendees are who did this, I feel sorry for any coworkers of color who have to work with anyone this ignorant because if they would travel this far and act this base in the middle of the afternoon, so this isn't late at night to drunk, this is the middle of the afternoon on the first full day of business for the Republicans, can you imagine how horrendous it must be to be a coworker of this person? Right. This is what right. we're talking about when it comes to private behavior and how this behavior is something that people of color have to live with every day. And we have to get over this, as they say, just get over it. Move on, but do your best anyway, and your best has to be twice as good as other people. This is my concern. Right, right. And and, and, and it's something that we shouldn't stand for. The media shouldn't accept it. You know, we, we're getting um, more and more of these stories, and it's and, – and it's being uh, reported as if this is how you treat us and this is how we we expect to be treated. But I'm glad that you're there to talk about the real core, not that it's just the idiots um, who do the peanuts, but we want to identify them and make sure that, that if is, there are delegates that they can't vote. Well, that is my other concern, that these right. are delegates, not just attendees. I don't know what it means to be an attendee. I mean, right. you have to have a designated um, title. I'm with the media. So my badge tells people I'm with the media. I want to know what is on this person's badge. Are they there as a delegate? And if so, from which state? Because you don't just walk in off the street and attend the Republican convention. As I said, you have to go through all types of credentialing. You have to go through security process. You have to do all these things in order to have a seat in there to throw the peanuts in the first place. So right. and the media people? is acting right, and the media, the mainstream media is acting as though it's not important. Well, and it's not, not going to make not just the ahead. general mainstream media. My major disappointment is with CNN. My mm-hmm. major disappointment is that this is a black woman working for CNN, and CNN refuses to give any information about this incident outside of acknowledging the fact that it happened. I then turn the coin and say to CNN, if this had been Fox News, would you be so generous with your understanding that it's just up to them not to say anything about what's happening within their news organization? I'll just turn around. You, if this was a, if this if this was a, uh, if this incident occurred at the DNC, 
where um, black people threw something at a white camerawoman. Um, yes. You know, would they cover it? If there was some mm-hmm. radical black people, um, you know, with hoods on, which they, you know, like to stereotype us, anything that they could stereotype, even if they didn't have on hoods, by the time they got to the story, the black person would have been um, uh, profiled as a person wearing a hood. If if a, they would have said anything derogatory to a white camera woman and, 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 and said this is how we treat you and hit them upside the head with some peanuts, it would be all over the news, and as you said, it would be addressed from a delicate point of view and a state's point of view, and it would go all well, the way up to Obama as if he has something to do with it. So yeah, I think we should we go ahead. No, but I but the other part of it is this. That is a very good point. That you know, if it had been a DNC and how they would have tried to lay it at the feet of President Obama. But the other point of it is. We have a liberal media source, CNN, choosing not to cover this. Black people can ill afford to put their fate in anyone else's hands. Right. And this is something that I've said and other people have said it for the longest time. We just can't say, okay, um, uh, white liberals or okay, white conservatives, okay, Democrats, Republicans, independents, whomever, you know, you know best what we need. You cover what you think that is important to us, and we leave it to you. That's the problem. We need to speak for ourselves, and we need media that will see the interests of black people even when other people don't. And CNN did not see this in their interest to go forward. That's them. To me, this is a pivotal issue, to a pivotal concern to the black community. Because not only did this happen at the Republican convention, this didn't happen at a football game. This happened at the Republican convention for the president of the United States, coming from the Republican uh, nomination for the, from the Republican Party. How well, can I was this at be ignored? A, I, I, I understand where you come from. I was at a football game years ago where they threw um, ice and snowballs, and they identified the people and threw them out. That mm-hmm. Those people were throwing in the, I remember the incident of a football game where they pelted the uh, Santa Claus in Philadelphia with snowballs. And that made main the uh, front page of the sports section. But now we have somebody with uh, the power to vote at a convention, and they're called simply attendees. Now, you know what they would call black people if they had done this at the DNC. I mean, so, like you said, we have to, and it's not just a black thing, it's an American problem because these people that get away with these things are affecting the overall election, and you need to, um, we need to join together and identify who these people are so we can nip them in the bud because after one, as my father says, come number two. So um, I'm glad that you brought it to our attention that this is about identifying these delegates, that we're not hurt by the peanuts as much as we are that they are not being identified and handled properly by the press and um, they should lose their credentials. Well, as I said, there there are three things happening here. One, Mm -hmm. we had the um, parade of black speakers and, you know, ridiculing Barack Obama, readily available to support the Republican platform, 
speaking about the fact that there's only equality if you work hard, et cetera, at the same time that this incident is happening. We have mainstream media refusing to really cover it. I didn't see any real stories or investigation by the Washington Post, New York Times, et cetera. And then, sadly, we have CNN refusing to give any additional information. So these things are happening at a convention in which the Republicans are nominating their person for, to be president of all the people of the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, whoever is watching, listening, you know, able to read this story, your blog, you know, they all need to contact their news organizations and say they want to know more about this. They need to contact CNN. And they need to be able to tell CNN, we demand more information. We want to know the names of these two people. We want to know their positions and what state they hail from. We will not allow this story to die. It is too important. It's too symbolic of what is at the core of race in this country. And the core is good people ignoring bad things and allowing racist acts to continue. And this is a this is definitely racist because as um my favorite attorney, uh, late Johnny Cochran says, racist um only a racist only has a has the power to be a racist if he is powerful to make a decision that affects you. And if these mm-hmm. people are delegates, then they are in a position of power. Now, if they were uh peanut self vendors, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as um important. But if they are delegates, then they are in a position of power, and we can't allow racist people to be in this position. And not, and especially if we have someone like you, you know, Daniel Hamer and a lot of, of black reporters have lost a lot and uh, committed courageous acts to make sure that we are vigilant. And you are being vigilant by attending the RNC, which you didn't want to attend, but you were vigilant to, to go there and say, I stand for these people who came before me who were thrown out, not because they hit somebody upside the head with a peanut, but because I couldn't even vote. I had to take the literacy test. So there's a lot at stake here. It's not about a peanut. <laughs> it's about, you know, what it, what it symbolizes historically. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's what this show is about: is connecting history to the current events. And and you sitting there and being in the RNC at one point where we weren't allowed to be on that side of the street, we had to have ID. Um, you know, black codes were in effect. And this is where they want to go back. They want to go back to uh, making us second-class citizens. And and I'm glad that you're there in person. And you're reporting this story, and you put it on this on a on this proper track. It's not about the peanut; it's about who threw the peanut. And if they're delegates, we need to know who they are, and identify them, and make sure that they um, go through a process of have, being removed, not just physically for a few hours and being able to return and vote, but some sort of consequences, even if it means putting your name in in, in the public eye. Their name should be in the public eye no matter what. I also mm-hmm. think, and I go back again, whoever can hear this, if they're mm-hmm. on the blog, if they're listening, if they're seeing it later, they need to contact CNN and say it's not your responsibility to say, no, Cover you up. don't deserve to hear anymore. It's not up to them. Up. 
Yeah, and to cover it up. It's not up to them to believe that, oh, we want to end this now, that it's, it's in the best interest of whomever. The, the media says what is it that people want to know, and reporters then go out to find it based on what people have the right to know. We have the right to know more. We have the right to see and hear an interview with this camera woman. We have the right to know her feelings. When they're... I am stunned as often as media will go into someone's home after their child has been murdered and put a microphone in front of their face and say, and how do you feel? And yet we don't deserve to know how this woman feels about being at a convention and having this incident happen to her. We deserve to know who she is. We deserve to know how she feels. We deserve to know the names of these people. And everyone should contact CNN as well as the mainstream media and demand more information about this incident. Do not let it go. This is a core symbolic issue of what is wrong with this country. Good people like CNN, I'm going to assume they're good people, who want to turn a blind eye to bad things happening like they'll just go away. We can't afford to have the racist people conducting this type of of racist behavior in a, in a place like the convention, and we can't have um, so-called good people turning their backs on it, pretending like nothing happened. Black folks in this country have given up too much in order to have a place at the table to have either of those two groups act in this way, ignoring it or conducting it. Either one, we can't afford it. That's so true. Is there anything you want to say before we um, end this segment of our show? Register to vote. People have okay. to register to vote and, and participate in the political process. Get off the fence. Get up out of that chair. Figure out how you can be a part of the process wherever you are. Do something. We cannot sit around and do nothing. We're losing progress. And what type of inheritance have you been squandering if you don't participate in the political process? As you've said before, um, Leslie, people fought and died for us to be able to have the freedoms we have today. We are in a position in which we're going to lose ground on your watch. While we have inherited this, here we're going to lose it. Can we afford to do this? No. Oh, I forgot two things. Um, I forgot that we had callers on the line. I apologize. Oh, uh, and the other thing is we are going to start giving away um, some books, but stay tuned and you learn more about that. Uh, 313, are you on the line still? I apologize for the long wait. Oh, no problem. I'm just calling in and listening in. That's all. Okay. All right. Um, for all you, all the other listeners who um, were waiting patiently, I apologize for not getting to you. Um, uh, but, you know, Gloria is very powerful. She's passionate, and um, she's our eyes and ears. The name of her article is uh, Witness at the, the RNC. Um, Gloria, give the audience more information about your books, how they can contact you, your website, everything. Well, I'm a professor of constitutional law at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York City. I have written the book Race, Law, and American Society, 1607 to Present. It's available on Amazon, 
also the U.S. Constitution in African-American context is a small constitution I think everyone should have. I mean, I, I like all of my books, but I just think the U.S. Constitution in African-American context really shows us where within the U.S. Constitution we have fought and died and moved this country in a position in which not only are the protections there for us, but they have extended those protections by the court to everyone. So many, many people over years have been able to enjoy protections that African-Americans fought and died for. And I think it's important to know how those changes came about, and many of them are within our U.S. Constitution, and that's set out in my U.S. Constitution in African-American context, also on Amazon, on Amazon. So please get that. It's very short, it's very inexpensive, and it's something I think everyone should have. Great. And uh, what time do you think we'll be back on the air? I hope that we'll be on the air tonight at 8.30. Um, We're going to have speakers at the convention again, and we'll see what happens. All right. And you can uh, listen to the show by clicking on or visiting the website, www.blackhistoryblog.com or www.blogtalkradio.com front slash black history. Again, we want to thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Uh, we love your support, and um, we look forward to talking to you guys at 8.30 tonight, live from the RNC. Thanks so much. Bye-bye, Gloria. Bye. One of the most militant opponents of Booker T. Washington. I don't know why that's doing that, but we'll hit the end button. <laughs> <laughs>